Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, how to manage a disgruntled, non-promoted direct. Part three. Here we go. Okay, so that was the scenario where the individual is not only disgruntled, but is acting, is yeah. exhibiting behavior that suggests they're disgruntled, unprofessional behavior. So let's talk about the other side, the, the person who is professional that you yeah. may think is disgruntled, but continues to act professionally. Yeah, you, what you just said was, in that situation, he was disgruntled and he acted disgruntled. Actually, there are three phases. I never thought about this until just now. There are three phases in the disgruntlement <laughs> um, a spectrum. It is first, you hear that they're disgruntled. Secondly, they are disgruntled. And thirdly, they behave that way. If you first hear it, you ignore it. Okay. That's what we recommend. Even if you believe it, there'll be no proof that in fact they are disgruntled until they actually behave that way. You've got to get all the way through step three before you can have any credibility in addressing it. But what most managers want to do is address it at step one, when they hear it. And think about it, God, as you say, whether the guy is disgruntled or not, if he behaves professionally, but you're punishing him because somebody told you he was disgruntled, when in fact there's no evidence. I mean, yeah, so it's it's much easier to feel good about uh, this path when you think about it relative to what would happen if I didn't use the right path, if I didn't use the right approach, and in fact, I was dealing with somebody who really actually was a professional, even if maybe they got their feelings hurt a little bit. The issue is, if they're in fact a professional and you do it this way, you do it our way and you go slow and you build a relationship and you treat them with respect and you allow them to prove to you they're good, you won't mistakenly murder somebody who's a non-rival to you. If the person you've been told about is really not that broken up about you getting the job, it is really dangerous for you to act as if they are. Believing somebody is working against you when they're not and punishing them or otherwise, sanction, otherwise sanctioning them when they're not behaving against you is the worst possible outcome for you and your team in this situation. The worst. And it would be totally your fault. Folks, you cannot afford the long-term damage of shunning or ridiculing or punishing somebody whom you simply believe, as in only believe without behavioral causes, that you simply believe is working against you out of hurt pride. Folks, it's a managerial sin to do it. It's hard enough to punish or politically work against those who are not behaving effectively. It's hard work to come into work knowing you're going to have to deal with somebody who's, who's not behaving appropriately. It makes your job harder. Okay. It's triply hard and really dangerous politically, emotionally, team-wise, culturally, and so on to work that way against somebody who doesn't deserve it. We barely have time to take, to spend on the folks that are legitimately need more of our time because they're performing poorly. How can we find time to use our role power against somebody who actually is doing our, doing their best, but we believe they're not because somebody told us they might not. So what do you do in this case? The same thing. It's the same thing. I, I know it's boring. But I feel like a lot of this cast is saying, we want you, we urge you to be boring, and we understand the drama you feel around this potentially dangerous situation, and the solution is not to respond, right? Don't flinch. Stay the course. You roll out the trinity. You develop the relationship like you do all the others. You get to know Richard. You watch his performance like everybody else. 
And because you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, you are much more able to see the good he's doing when he's doing it. If you're assuming he's a problem, your little schmutzig sheep paradigm will cause you only to see what he does that isn't helping. You'll literally ignore real data, the sheet, that tells you the exact opposite of what he you think he's doing. Yeah. And the beauty of this is, hey, you're doing the one-on-ones, he's going to get some time, right? And so, if he's, you know, has some pain or suffering as a result of not getting the job, right? right what you're going to do is you're going to give him space to get over it, right? And get back to being as productive and effective as he can possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. You want a little bit of separation, right? The sooner you start acting aggressively, the less separation there is between his hurt feelings and the conflict you're in, but you're, you're now creating whether he did anything to deserve it or not. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You've given him time to, to separate from the, from the event. If in fact he needs it. Okay. So let's go on a little, uh, another topic that comes up often. And and that's the difference between private complaints, right? People who are are complaining privately versus those that are made publicly, whether it be in staff meetings or in groups of folks or whatever. I mean, it's, it's different though, right? I mean, how you handle that would be very different. It's a big thing. I mean, managers, particularly young managers make a mistake and they say, if he makes a statement to me, a private complaint, that's as if he made it to somebody else in the team. No, it's not. (laughs) No, (laughs) it really isn't. Right. I can't tell you the number of times where people have come up to me and, and said something and said, I really didn't like what you did. And I say, Oh, thank you. And they seem to think that they deserve a special response. And I've, I've decided that I disagree with them, but I'm actually thrilled they told me and they haven't tried to poison somebody else and have somebody who potentially might be using a recommendation I've suggested to change their life and make their direct lives better. Um, if I'm coaching a manager or an executive and if they come complain to me, fine, maybe they spend all their energy on me so much the better. So look, yeah, what we recommend in that situation, if somebody comes and complains to you privately, that's actually good. You handle it differently from the people who are complaining publicly. And we recommend you ask for support from them initially. You behave in a way that says, I want to work on the relationship, and you ask them for their support. Okay. When managers ask us about this particular scenario, the disgruntled direct, they often mix up the private and the public, right? And I'm going to say it again, those things, folks, they're orders of magnitude different. Things that are said to you are things you and you alone can brush off. And we recommend you do so. If they say it to you and you alone, they're not tearing down the team because you're not the team. And hopefully you have enough ego strength, professional maturity to ignore it. Uh, It might hurt your feelings a little bit, but, you know, dust yourself off and stand back up and you'll be okay. Hopefully you can handle it. If you can't handle it, you need more professional maturity to be a good manager, folks. But things said to the team can't be taken back. If they're said to several people, then it's as if five different things were said rather than just one to five different things. It degrades the team's morale. Yeah. If I'm, I'm responsible for my own morale, right? I carry my own morale with me. I get to turn the dial up or down at any given time. If somebody says something negative to me, it may lower my morale, but it's me choosing to lower my morale, essentially. But if, if one of my directs says something to me that's, that's negative, I can choose not to direct, not to change my morale. But the problem as a manager is you're responsible for the morale of your team. If this person's affecting the morale of your team, you have to do something about it. Right. And the only person you can control is you, right? Yeah. You can't control the out, the, the response of, of the team members. And so you're forced to be a little bit more particular about what's happening there. Exactly. So when this direct complains to you, listen, just listen, be as understanding as you can be. If she tells you all the reasons she deserved the role, we recommend you agree with her. Tell her how good she is. When she tells you how disappointed she is, 
tell her you understand. Tell her I, you know, you feel felt found. I understand how you feel. It's happened to me before. I felt the same way. And what I found is you're good enough. When you get promoted, you'll forget about that. And you realize that the guys who made the decision didn't know how good you were. And now you'll have a chance to prove how good they are, how, how good you are. Think about this, folks. Can you see that one of your directs telling you how good she is isn't such a terrible sin? And folks, if you think it's a terrible sin, the issue's with you. Uh, it's your own ego yeah. that's suffering there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, good point. Yeah, totally right, right? If she tells you she's disappointed, what's wrong with that honesty? Don't you want people who want more responsibility? And she's honest that she didn't get it? If all you're doing is looking for reasons that she's angry and working against you, a weak manager could see these kind of private comments as behaviors which are undermining. But they could just as easily be seen by anyone, if you have enough maturity to admit it, as her being open and telling you what she's good at and suggesting to you, uh, this is what I'm dealing with right now. And look, as long as nothing malicious is said, folks, the best response is to support the openness from her. Be thankful to her for her candor. Okay? Okay, so as long as they're not malicious, well, when do private statements become malicious? Easy. When they negatively characterize you, the team, or the company. And the company usually would be in the form of the people who made the decision about who got promoted. When a direct says, you didn't deserve this, I did. Or they say, I can't believe they let you have this job. That's impugning you, the manager. And by the way, for the last one, that's impugning the decision makers too, which is to say the company. If they say stupid choice putting you in charge with all that's going on around here, that's not professional, right? If they say right now I was the right person, not you. Even if they say right now I was the right person is borderline unprofessional. I'm not going to call it disrespectful, but it's not professional, okay? When the comments do become malicious, when they negatively characterize you or the team or the company, it is time to pay attention. It's not necessarily time to do something, but it is time to start keeping track of both what she says to you and to the team more closely. And then when you get ready to give negative feedback, these kind of things would be perfect opportunities to do it. Now, those of you who know us about feedback, if somebody does something once a week for six weeks, when you finally decide to give feedback, you don't give them feedback on the six instances all at once. You don't say you've been doing something for six weeks. That's equivalent to waiting until the car is almost in the ditch and then yanking out of the ditch. You give them feedback on the one instance that happens at the moment. You ignore the previous five. They'll figure out that they made the mistake five times before, but you're not trying to overcorrect. You're just asking them to stop their behavior in the future. Now, private comments get a little bit more leeway than public ones. When you hear the first couple of complaints that somebody makes that aren't malicious, Make some general comment and reply. It could be something like, hey, regardless of the outcome, I know it might hurt, but I'm asking you to do your best work and to work publicly to support me going forward. You could also say, despite what's happened, I know it's hard. Can I count on your support? And look, that last question is a powerful one. How can you not start paying a lot more attention to someone who won't commit to supporting you? And it's not a question of whether they're voting for you or not. They have an obligation to support you because that's how the corporation is structured. And if you're struggling, think of it this way. How likely are you right now to answer your boss tomorrow to that question? Hey, I know it's hard, but can I count on your support? How likely are you willing to say to your boss anything other than a yes to that question? If you can't see yourself saying no, you ought to be comfortable asking that of your directs 
because they probably see you much like you see your boss in terms of the role differential and the levels in the organization. And so if someone chooses to say no, think about how you would have to be feeling in order to say to your boss, no, I can't support you. That's pretty darn significant, folks. And what that means is it's a good question to ask. Not too soon. Maybe after the second or third comment, you would ask that question. Hey, can I count on your support? Because the chances of them saying no are so small, you increase the chances, first of all, that they're going to say yes because they don't want to step over the line of saying no. And if they do say no, they're putting themselves in a very small box and they know they're going to get a lot of attention. Right. We've been stressing today, you know, we've been suggesting that managers take it a little bit more slowly than they initially feel. On the Mm -hmm. other hand, I know there are many folks out there who are conflict adverse. And what I'm fearful (laughs) is, is folks will take our overall message and give the folks a buy. For example, if somebody, if somebody's making benign comments, then just be thankful about it, right? You're getting feedback, somebody's sharing with you. So feel good about it. But if somebody starts making these malicious comments, it's not enough just to let it go. I mean, would you agree with me that you say something, you have to ask for that commitment. You just can't let it go forever. Yeah. So look, uh, let's do this. Let's try to combine the level of hurtfulness, probably the wrong word, and the timing together and give folks some guidance. So in the beginning, and folks, what what we're saying here, let's say about a month, it could be six weeks. Let's say no shorter than a month, and you can go as long as six or eight weeks if you felt like you had to. Tolerate all the benign comments and be privately thankful. If there are malicious comments for the first month or even six weeks or even eight weeks, and, and, and folks, my recommendation is always go longer than you think you can. If in fact there are malicious comments in the first month or two, just ask for support. Okay. If you don't get a yes, and I'd be willing to bet you a hundred bucks, you will get a yes. And that's the purpose of the question, to get them to say yes, so that they're committed now to supporting you. So if they don't support you, you can go back to them and say, you're not only not supporting me, you are breaking your commitment to me, which is an ethical issue, right? But if you don't get a yes, you start paying closer attention to the tenor of someone's commentary with you and with the team, okay? Show up earlier to meetings, stay later to meetings. If they're in a meeting with a couple of other people representing the team, go and sit in the back of the meeting and see how they handle themselves and so on. After a month, or maybe maybe two months for me, it's been long enough in our experience that private malicious comments need feedback or some form of correction. If you're not ready to give feedback, folks, and again, we've got podcasts on how to give feedbacks, you can simply walk up to them and privately say, I prefer you not be negative about me or the company. And folks, if you have to do that, it's time to start making notes of what was said, when, where, and what your response was. But it doesn't have to be a memorandum for record on some five-part form. It can be a yellow sticky note that says, Tuesday, 2.30 p.m., February 12th, told Richard, prefer he not be negative about me or the company when he said X in this meeting. And you stick that yellow sticky on the one-on-one form that's going to happen that next week, and you remind him that you had the conversation. And then if... God forbid it goes to HR three months later and he shot himself in the foot. You can show them the one-on-one form for all those yellow stickies and they'll say, you don't need to wait any longer. If you need to get rid of this person, get rid of them. They've been working against you too darn long. You've been a saint to wait as long as you have. And now HR is on your side, helping you get rid of somebody who really is a cancer. If they're still being malicious after a month, it's been our experience, maybe even longer, maybe two months, if you've got a little bit more maturity on it. It's been our experience. There's more going on in front of the team and that's a different problem. Good. Okay. So that was private comments made to you. But now we're going to talk about public behaviors against you, right? Yeah. 
And finally, finally, you're going to get to the point where I get to nail them immediately, right? Yeah, nail them. That's it. Yeah. What's that line that um, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? Isn't it funny? We were out with a dinner with a client. Was it last night? It yeah, was it was last, last night. night. We were with a client in, in New York. In and, a different and, city. Uh, he described a problem and both of us looked at each other because we both knew we were going to describe the answer as, oh, it's just a management problem. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of reading uh, Bill Gates' book uh, a number of years ago. I think at the end of the book, he talked about his house, but but then at the very, his house was pretty fancy back then. And then at the very end, he talked about really big human problems and scope of history kind of things and more along the lines of what his foundation is doing now, fabulous work all over the world. Uh, with health and education and so on. And I think, I, I could be wrong about this, folks. Somebody can correct me if you want, that he started talking about the problems and everything else. And then toward the end, he wasn't talking about computers. He was talking about human beings and how we think. And I think the last line of the book was something like, and yeah, and that's just a software problem. And every time I think to myself, when a client says, well, what should I do? Or why is this happening or something? When I start thinking, oh, that's easy. That's a management problem. I know I'm not Bill Gates, but I'm sure Bill Gates think that's a software problem as often as you and I think. That's, That's a just management a management problem. problem. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, look, we recommend not hammering, <laughs> but but feedback because we, we believe slow and steady, uh, even though for those of you who are not frequent listeners, Mike and I are not naturally known as slow and steady and boring people. We're tough. We're no nonsense. We, uh, uh, Wendy, my assistant, will tell you I'm a very demanding boss. She also, much to her credit, often says she's the girl with the greatest job in the world. And it's not easy to work for me. And I expect a lot. And yet, I believe that the way to help somebody if they're off track is to give candid, relaxed, comfortable feedback. And for some people, I think they would say it would be the death of a thousand cuts. And and I'd say, no, I'm just giving people a lot of room. I'm going to trust them to do better and to be clear with them that I want a change in behavior. But it's not hammering. We're going to recommend you use our feedback model. And yet still, we're going to probably recommend you wait longer than you think you should. The difference, of course, here is that public behaviors totally drag the team down. A good friend of ours in Holland, Mike, I think I know you're who I'm talking about, once told us that his mentor once told him that with any new initiative you're going to try, there were three groups in, in a given organization. The group that was totally on board, the group that was really helping, right? The group that was uncommitted, kind of in the middle, they're kind of riding along. And in fact, the picture that was drawn was of like an ore cart in a mine. And the group that was totally on board were helping the leader pull the cart. The group that was uncommitted were in the cart going along for the ride. And then there was a group that was totally opposed and they were pulling against the cart. And he told us, his mentor said, the key to success was keeping that last group away from the middle group, (laughs) right? The last group, the group that was working against you, probably would never convince the group in front that was helping you to ever not do that. But if you could keep them from encouraging people to jump out of the cart and work more against you, you'd probably be okay. And as it happens, he drew it on a cardboard Heineken coaster in a bar after we'd spent a couple of days with his firm. And I still have that drawing. It reminds me all the time about change management. It's a classic, one of those classic, iconic drawings for me. Look, if if your direct is making public comments against you, folk, it's unprofessional. But it's also dangerous for you to have to assert your role power too soon when you're just developing your relationships with your team. Now, look, we've told you what to do if your disgruntled charge is privately negative to you, right? You ask for support. If you hear that they're publicly working against you, you do the same thing initially. You tell them, hey, I heard that you said X, which is unprofessional. Can I count on your support or not? 
And by the way, for those of you who know about the third party feedback podcast, you know that if they ask who told you, the answer is always the same. What you tell them is, hey, what's important, Richard, is that I'm telling you. If you don't believe what you're being told, you don't talk to them about it. But if you do believe it, you deliver as if you actually saw it yourself. The same thing happens if they say you can't count on them. Tell them you'll note their concerns, right? Tell them, you know, unfortunately, that's something I've got to make a note of. You're telling me that your frustration at not getting this job means you can't support who the company has in this job. That's too bad. I got to make a note of that, right? And really, at that point, there's not much more to say. It's actually better to leave it there, to have that person know that they've crossed the line and now you feel obligated to really pay close attention to their behaviors. And they are, if you wanted to, you wouldn't want to do this in front of the whole group, but you could privately say in one of the one-on-ones, the behavior that you're engaging in is tearing the team down. And I have a rule, there are two things that cause people to leave the team. And let's put it this way, aggressively leave the team or violently leave the team. And that is if you fail to perform for a long period of time or if you work against the team for a long time. Yeah, in my experience, when, when it gets to that point, you know, folks will understand that they, they did cross the line. And matter of fact, they'll walk back their statement a little bit. They'll back up a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And if that happens and you simply say again, can I count on you to be supportive and get the yes? Yeah, and then you get the yes, right? And then they realize they cross the line and they step back over. Right. Now, if this continues, folks, if they've decided they're going to hold on to their anger, and by the way, you don't need to send them to an anger management class. You don't need to have them go talk to a therapist. Now, look, I'll tell you, I think therapists work wonders. If you want to do that, that's okay. Do not for a moment think the solution to somebody who's disgruntled is sending them to an anger management class and while they continue to tear down the team or work against you and perform poorly, say to yourself, well, I'm sure they're talking to that to the therapist about that. I'm all in favor of employee assistance programs. They're wonderful. They're probably less prevalent now than they were 10 years ago um, because companies have, have leaned out so many services. But if you're at a company which has employee assistance, encourage your direct to use it. And that happens in addition to and in parallel with the managerial role of insisting on high performance and professional team behavior. I mean, have you noticed that the people that say, oh, well, I, I put him in an anger management thing or he's talking to a counselor. Yeah, that's just uh, that's just kicking the can down the road. And yeah, exactly, exactly what it is. Yeah. So look, if it continues, right, whether they're talking to a therapist or not, it's going to be time for feedback, even if you haven't had enough time spent on one-on-ones to develop the relationships. It's sad, but it may be that you'll have to give negative feedback sooner than we might normally recommend. We've always said, those of you who have been listening for six years, like, like Gerhard in, in Mexico, we've always said waiting is better. We have also said every time any part of the management trinity can be used at any time. All of the tools work a la carte, if you will. You don't have to roll it out in order, although it helps greatly to do so. The disgruntled direct who continues past a month or two to work against you and the firm and who doesn't hear your request for support is doing noteworthy damage to your efforts to create relationships. And that's the relationships are the heart of the basics of good management. This is a time where we recommend feedback after you've waited as long as you can. It's frustrating, but you've got to do it. And that's why you get paid the big bucks as a manager. So even if you're not ready, even if you have to memorize all of our guidance and practice giving feedback to the mirror every night for a week, and you have to come to our management forums at manager-tools.com slash forums, 
to hear from some experienced friends and fellow managers and to describe in detail the problem you're having, although always starting your description in detail with the question you want to ask us, we recommend you give them feedback. And I've got three examples. So the first one is, can I give you some feedback? When the director says yes, you say, when you tell the team you can't figure out why the company chose me, it comes across as unprofessional. Will you please stop? Or another one, can I share something with you? When you tell Laura you're pissed off and not excited about working here because I'm the boss, it makes you look like you're not part of the team or that you don't want to be part of the team. Can you change that? Another one, can we talk about something you did? When you say before a meeting in front of almost everyone that I'm an idiot, by the way, I happen to disagree with you, it makes you look foolish and it upsets folks and it makes my job harder and your job harder and their job harder. Can you please stop doing that? Now, look, folks, if your direct pushes back on some of this, those are questions at the end. Those are not rhetorical questions for those who don't know the feedback model. You're expecting him to say yes. And you want a commitment that he's going to say yes, so that if his behavior continues, the fact that he's committed to new behaviors, but he's not engaging them, gives you another thing to talk to him about, which is his failure to keep his own commitments. If your direct pushes back on this, let's say they're angry and they're, they're, they're willing to be loud about it then those of you who are manager tools managers know what to do, right? You give them shot across the bow. You just walk away. For those of you who don't know, there's a podcast that we're famous for called Shot Across the Bow. It's one of Mike and I's favorites. We encourage you to listen to it. Don't argue with your directs about what they did. If you believe they did it, tell them they did it and ask them to change it if it's negative feedback. If they push back, walk away and apologize. They know they did it. They're just being defensive. They're not actually truthfully saying. They don't truthfully believe they didn't do what you said if you focused on very specific behaviors. All right. Now, look, if you waited a month to do this, it's going to have an impact. Or it's just going to make it how obvious the direct is going to be working against you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, though, about let's be clear about when you say if you've waited a month, we don't give them feedback on all seven things they did over the month, right? The six things they did previously over the the month, we haven't given them feedback about. about. We we ignore them. We let them go. There's nothing we can do about them. Feedback is never about what the direct already did. It's about asking new behave for new behavior in the future. So more negative in the past is not necessarily motivational, actually demotivational. So you point out the one thing they did recently and you ask them to change that in the future. And they'll know they had a past, as we mentioned earlier in the cast, they'll know they had a past history of doing the same thing. And they'll know that you're politely ignoring those things, but they'll also know that going forward, you're probably going to be paying more attention to it. As painful as this might be, this brief conversation, it will make everything easier afterwards, whether it's the director getting squared away or whether it's them taking a lot of rope and stringing it over a tree and hanging themselves. If they do decide to hang themselves, you're going to need to know how to give systemic feedback as well, which I just alluded to. And there's a cast for that one as well. A new uh, subtitle for all podcasts. There's a cast for that. Yeah, there's a cast. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we should, that should be a tagline, right? Um, I think I just sent you a note, note to you recently about uh, the new taglines that uh, I came up with recently uh, working with a client. And, and there's a cast for that. Is wasn't there's a, there's wasn't a cast one of them? For, yeah, should we do? Should we do? Uh, no, I don't think it's a cast. It's not actionable for us. It would be just marketing for us to say that the manager tools tagline is three words: every manager effective, and the career tools tagline is every professional productive. So to finish this particular topic, let's, let's talk about the idea of going to your boss. What do you think about that? I mean, it's kind of a natural no, feeling, yeah, right? Keeping no, your boss no. in the loop, letting them know what's, no, no, what's no, going no, on, letting no, them know no. that Joe might be a problem. I didn't say he is a problem. I said might be a problem. Yeah. If we were at a bar in New York or Dallas or Chicago, uh, we were with one of our friends, Steve or Rich Rothschild or Mark Granger or 
Rich Rue or somebody or Mike Swinson or something. And we were just having a beer or a glass of wine or water or whatever. And somebody said, let's talk about disgruntled directs. And they said, Mark, big picture, what are the two mistakes that people make? Of course, I'd want to talk for about it for 30 minutes because it's what I do and I love doing it. <laughs> but I would say two things. The first is the assumption that they have to do something and treat people differently. And we talked about that at the top of the cast, right? You've got to get that out of your head. The second thing is you've got to line up support with your boss. Both of these things, moving too quickly and lining up support with your boss, send big, big balloons up in the air that say, I am totally uncomfortable in the amount of role power I have, which is to say, I have no role power at all. I'm scared to death. I'm a weasel and I'm going to fire this guy before he gets a chance to do anything against me. And I'm going to get my boss on my side because that way, if my direct even winks at me in the wrong way, I can have my boss pound on them for me. It is absolutely the wrong way. You don't involve your boss at all. Your boss will find any involvement of him or her as you being insecure about your power. And frankly, if you go to them too soon, they're likely going to take the side of the direct if you're a new boss, because they're afraid that you're responding too soon from a position of weakness. And if you're responding aggressively because of a feeling of weakness, when in fact your boss knows you have the power, they're afraid that you're afraid of the direct. And a manager who's afraid of a direct who has role power, which by definition you do, is an ethical challenge for your boss. He's going to have to protect that direct because you're not only in his group, right? If you report to your boss and somebody reports to you, that person who you're talking to, your skip, is in your boss's group as well. And if you're dealing with your directs from a position of weakness with your role power as well, that's a toxic mix. They're going to take the side of the direct and you've got to leave your boss out of it. You've got to get lots of data. You've got to have notes from conversations. You've got to have sticky notes with comments you had to make and notes you made at the end of a meeting, things he did or she did or so on. And if you kept track on your one-on-one forms or in a little notebook in the back of one of your notebooks, once you get to 20 or so notable instances over the course of a few months, when you do take that to your boss and lay out what, what your approach has been and how you treated them professionally and fairly in the beginning, and you ignored some of the early comments about attitude because you've wanted to focus on behavior, but then you show them 20 behaviors, your boss will say, let's slam dunk this person. I'm totally behind you. And then they will see you operating as a position of strength. And in your first crisis, in your new role, your boss will say, well done. Right. And look, frankly, we hope that you don't have to go to your boss. We hope that the steps we recommended pan out in your favor. But if for some reason they don't, it will clearly be the direct's fault. And then you and your boss will be totally aligned and the team will be aligned with you. And that's the best outcome you can have since ultimately you can't control your direct. 99% of the time, they're not going to be a problem. But on the 1% of the time they are, having everybody aligned on your side is absolutely the way you want to be. And if you treat them differently in the beginning and you go to your boss too soon, it's going to be you against the direct, not you and your team, not you and your boss, just you against your direct. And if you're dealing from a position of weakness with role power, that's dangerous. Good. Sorry. I get exercised about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's it, right? That's it. Wrapping up. So manage any direct who's disgruntled like you would anybody else. One-on-ones and respect. That's the answer. Look, think about the two alternatives about disgruntled or professional. In both cases, the slower, professional, dot the I's, cross the T's, boring, effective, repetitive, unsexy, undramatic management, manager tools way works. 
recognize there are differences between public and private complaints. Let the private complaints wash over you. Let them go, okay? You're better than that. If there are public complaints, you may need to give some negative feedback. Wait as long as you possibly can. And of course, don't go to your boss. Look, folks, this situation is just another example of the poor quality of management guidance out there today. Because managers are scared about what to do in this situation. And we don't tell new managers how to handle this. There's this toxic little cocktail of fear and uncertainty created in the mind of a young manager, but it doesn't have to be that way. Ignore what you've heard from other people. Give that disappointed direct of yours the benefit of the doubt. Manage him or her the way a professional would. It's going to reduce the chances that they do behave in an unprofessional way and increase the chances that if they do, it not only will be their own choice, it's going to be clear to everybody else that it was their own choice and not because of how you treated them in a way that is disrespectful or special. If it gets bad enough, everybody's going to end up marveling at your discretion and your tolerance. But frankly, I got to tell you, you do it this way, you'll wonder why you're ever worried about it to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Thanks. I enjoyed this topic greatly. Yeah, it was great fun. Great yeah. fun. We, we, we covered a lot of other things as well. And uh, this is why we do it, because there are people who need to know this stuff and we can help. Yeah. Now, if you have the problem, you know how to resolve it and... If you don't have the problem, you never have to worry about having it because you'll know what yeah. to do. Yeah, you count yourself lucky if you never face this problem. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you all next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long.